0: Let me open us with the Bible verse on the top of the page. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 and 5 says, To bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, for all must carry their own loads. So once again, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, for all must carry their own loads. These two verses seem to be different and contradictory, don't they? Mm -hmm. Uh, But let me explain the Greek words for both burden and load. Burden means to help carry. Uh, I have here that it's something that is exceedingly heavy and troublesome. It's the kind of burden that can weigh people down and that can crush them. And this is the kind of burden that people carry in times of crisis when their troubles seem ready to overwhelm them. So when we're reading in Galatians 6, to bear one another's burdens, what do you think that, that means here in this context? of Stephen Ministry? To share. To share. To help out. Right? Because the people that we're going to pair you with are, are going through crisis. And we've talked about the number of crises that they could be experiencing, whether it be loss of a loved one or unemployment or empty empty nesters. That could be one. Or cancer. Whatever it may be, whatever crisis that somebody's going through, it's a burden. And we are called to help carry that burden now the next part of the verse says for all must carry their own loads load in the Greek basically means to carry your own it's a cargo or normal weight that a person carries an example would be that uh, let's say you're in elementary school you're grade uh, in grade school and um, kids are carrying their heavy backpacks on their own and they're able to manage them without others sharing the weight And I don't know about you, but I always had a backpack on when I went to school as a kid. And it was my backpack. I didn't ask for help. It was my load that I carried. And so there is a difference between burden and load. Burden, you need help. Load is you carry your own. And so the the scriptures actually call us to share the crushing weight of the burdens that come into others' lives, but also to take responsibility for our own daily load. So what would be an example of a load that you have each day that you have to carry on your own?
1: Like going, going to work?
0: Going to work. You have to do it. It's a responsibility that you have to shower. do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? How about a shower? <laughs> you can't ask somebody else to shower for you. That's good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, so you get the point. But But sometimes your care receiver will act as if their burdens are loads and so they actually when they need help they refuse it and they build up walls and they say oh i don't i don't need help i'm okay and then there's others who refuse to allow other or there's others that refuse to allow others to share their burdens but then other times care receivers exaggerate the weight of their daily load and they refuse to take responsibility of carrying it and so another word would be it's easy for us to be enablers for those types of people, those people that just blow up everything, every little problem they have in their life, and they don't take responsibility for it, and as a result, they they want others to own it. So there there really are two different kinds of people. I don't know what you err on the side of. I know sometimes uh, Stephanie and I, when things happen, we we don't necessarily call people because we 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 feel like oh we can handle it. But sometimes you know we don't need to be so stubborn, and we might need to reach out. Because if, it's a, if it really is a burden, then I'm gonna, we're going to need some help with that. But if it's a load, we're going to have to take responsibility ourselves. So you see the difference? And I think Galatians 6 is pretty clear on that. I found it interesting that it was in both in chapter 6, this concept. Well, we're going to be talking a lot about this idea of burden and loads. But um, let me read to you Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's a familiar passage that you all know. And we know that Jesus wants to share our burdens with us. And he tells us that, for our yoke is easy, or my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he says, come to me all you who are tired and weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's a familiar passage that you've heard before. And the whole point here is he talks about this whole idea of how his yoke is easy. And what he meant by that is, a yoke is literally a frame where you would have two holes around it and the oxen would be... Around like in that hole. I don't know if you if you've gone to Disney and you have those pictures where you can put your face in, yeah. or it's a background and you can put your face in and you look like you're somebody or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but except these oxen were tied down together. See Thanks you, Carl. Okay, man. Take <laughs> it easy. <laughs> yeah, it was good. One. Yeah, I'll see
2: you. All right, man. Yeah. Good seeing
0: you. The oxen were tied together and they were working together. They were able to plow the field together. If it was just one oxen with this yoke, then it would be out of whack and be out of sync. But with both of them doing it together, they are able to carry the, and share the, the burden as well. And so I love that analogy of the yoke and the two oxen working together because Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm going to help you with your burden. And so as a Stephen minister, it's important when you're sharing this information to your care receiver that Jesus is the one who... Will make things easier. He's going to help you. He's always going to share your burdens.
3: One thing I All through this whole thing, I will have to continue to remind myself over and over and over again: mm-hmm. You're there as a facilitator, Malcolm. That's it. God is the one that does it, right? You know, and I don't know I'll have to use it. You say, well, I, no, Malcolm, just listen.
0: Right. 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 In fact, I'll pass around the picture. Of the diagram of the yoke where the, the yeah. oxen are tied in there together. It's really interesting. You mm-hmm. also not be unequally yoked. Yeah, you cannot be unequally yoked. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go on to number two now boundaries for Stephen ministers and care receivers. Letter A, the Stephen minister's boundaries. Here are some ways you can maintain appropriate boundaries as a caregiver. Number one, to not try to take over the care receiver's life. Let me me read this to you. Some people keep their care receiver in a dependent state instead of helping them change. This is called enabling, as we just talked about. This creates codependency from the Stephen minister where they're unable to distinguish between what their responsibility is and what is someone else's responsibility. So in other words, it's so easy, as as Malcolm just said, as a caregiver to say, well, I'm going to take this responsibility on. And we're going to solve it. And you don't have to worry about anything. Because I'm here to help you. I'm here to save you and to rescue you. Obviously as a Stephen minister you're not called to do that. You're called to listen and care. As we've talked about over and over again. The second part here. On uh, another way to maintain appropriate boundaries as a caregiver. Is to avoid manipulation. Will somebody read focus note number one on avoiding manipulation? Example.
4: Of manipulative (coughs) care receiver behavior, (coughs) my girl is calling you to talk in the middle of the night when there is not an emergency, trying to make you feel guilty enough to do tasks that the care receiver is perfectly capable of doing for him or herself, using guilt to try to make you meet more frequently or for longer periods of time, or trying to talk you into lending him or her money.
0: (laughs) So, out of that list, does anything stand out to you? (laughs) Anything you want to unpack?
3: Love me, you
2: would sure. Do
5: that. yeah I have been preconditioned against all of us <laughs> yes. thanks to my daughter um, the only
0: well the fact is you can't be responsible for your care receiver mm-hmm. they have to take responsibility mm-hmm. of their loads you can help them with their <coughs> burdens but yeah did you want to say anything about them? no I'm just just thinking about that okay okay that's good Well, let's know our limits. Number 3, page 140. Let me ask this question here. What if you were assigned to your care receiver and you found out that he was suicidal, deeply depressed, suffering from severe mental illness or abusing his or her children? Uh, How would you stay within your boundaries as a Stephen minister?
5: You have to report. First, you would have to report that to Stephen's leader. Okay. And And if they're severely depressed and suicidal... Yeah, you might easy. have to correct them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you're knowing your limits, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: What you can and can't. Well
4: do. if you're like, if they admit to like abusing their children? What is your obligation?
0: Oh, you have to call.
4: Yeah,
0: you have to report it.
4: Yeah. I was gonna say because I know, like, as a teacher, I have to report it. So I would
0: yeah. Have, like, well you know what? A good example is Penn State.
4: Yeah.
2: The recent yeah. Penn
0: State scandal. Yeah. You know, everybody was called to alert the authorities mm-hmm. not their supervisor mm-hmm. they had to go straight to the cops mm-hmm. so
6: yeah so, so let's say the, the receiver is telling us the story of how things went bad with the say the husband or the wife <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but he used to abuse her in the past the past is past do, do we still report it
0: in the, in the past and they've moved on and repented I wouldn't mm-hmm. um, I would I would let your Stephen Leader know you know, Because that's pretty important information. But uh, but if they've moved forward and repented and you saw reconciliation, and, then no. Just keep an yeah. eye on it.
2: Yeah.
0: It. Absolutely. It's good. Know your limits. Number four, the Stephen Minister's Covenant to Care. Look with me on page 136 and 137. And why don't you just... Uh, well, let me just highlight a few points here instead of having you read all of it. This is something at the end of the training. we're going to have you read again, just to affirm that you're a Stephen minister and that you're on, you know on board with all that we ask you to do, and then you sign it. And it's kind of a, okay, my, my name right, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. So here are a few points here. Uh, I will depend on God for my results and my caregiving, as Malcolm said earlier. I will promote respect among fellow ministers and church leaders. I will guard the reputation of Stephen Ministry. I will serve without expecting or accepting financial reward. Of course, number eight is the big one. I will maintain confidentiality. I will discipline myself to meet my care receiver's needs, and I am willingly, or I will willingly receive direction and supervision. And so all these things you're going to read through, and you're going to affirm it. And this is... Your limits, knowing your limits, and also knowing that this is what you're committing to. You're not committing to be a counselor, a professional counselor. You're not committing to be a life group leader. You're committing to be a Stephen Minister, and this is what we ask you to do. These are the boundaries that are laid ahead for you. So we'll have you sign that at the end. Letter B, respecting your care receiver's boundaries. How to know if you're trespassing your care receiver's boundaries. First off, you need to pay attention to his feelings, his or her feelings, and your own. If you notice yourself or your care receiver becoming increasingly uncomfortable, you may be getting uncomfortably close to a boundary. So, for instance, if you know that the person isn't sharing all the information that would help you to properly care for them, and you're pressing them, and then they back off, and they say, and they end up not sharing anything, then you know you've crossed a boundary. You've crossed a line. And... I'm actually dealing with that right now. There's somebody where I know he hasn't told me everything. He even says, I'm not telling you everything. And and next time I talk to him, I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to be able to properly give you, or I'm not going to be able to give you the help that you need unless I know all the information. Otherwise, I'm just going to be able to help you with the information you're giving me. But that's all I've said, and I'm going to leave it at that. If he doesn't want to share anymore, I'm not going to press it. But But on the other hand... He's not going to be able to really get the help unless he tells me all the information, and so I would just be careful, you know, just to not press for more information, or maybe say it one time and that's it. You have a, you have a oh, okay. I, at first I understood that if they don't say the whole
6: information we press on it, but but if they don't say anything we just continue to to listen and to be yeah. there for them. And,
0: okay. Because obviously they choose to not reveal that information for. For some reason, but if,
5: some, yeah. But if you're coming close <coughs> to a boundary, I think it's very worthwhile to just uh, s- kind of state the boundary mm-hmm. and stuff, and, and put it on the table, not as a uh, something against them, but try to make it in a, in a more logical thing. Well, I'm not; I can't do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Before it gets to the end road, and then you have to really take a hard line with them. It's a lot better to
1: maybe we need to talk about some guidelines.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful.
1: You can't force someone to share something they
2: don't want to share. No, you can't. They they
3: won't. Uh, Just like that girl I've been dating now for going on seven years or so. She plays her cards right to chest. She Mm -hmm. won't tell you. And you know, as long as I do, I even know where she works. Mm-hmm. She won't tell me where she was uh-huh. No. And she just, she just, she has <laughs> boundaries and stuff like that. And she, she just puts up boundaries. And she says, um, just, you know not That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's all top secret, you know. And, and it's very, very difficult because, you know, I've been dating for so long to find I actually got her to say, I love you. Well, she wouldn't say that. Now she says it frequently. Well, like, Oh. but she couldn't couldn't say that, yeah. she just she was so closed off, and this right here is actually making me see <coughs> the problems that she has mm-hmm. and how
5: I address these
0: right. you know and you don't want to press it too much if if they're unwilling to share that's good yeah. that's a great example
5: but it it may be she does something that <laughs> she really can, no, she can't. She can. She, uh, I know exactly
3: she can. It's just that that's just the way she is. And yeah, she just won't say yeah. What? No. Very
6: protective of Oh, she's
3: protective of everything, you know? Mm. She's protective. And it's very difficult to talk to her many times because you don't know whether you're going to be talking about something that, you know, she wants to talk and she wants to talk on the phone. And she'll keep you on the phone for hours if mm-hmm. she wants. But she just won't talk about right. something. She won't open up. Yeah. And she just has these boundaries like that and I'm trying to mm. break them down. yeah. And this right here is <clears throat> I have to respect her boundaries. Mm-hmm. And why I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure this training has been helpful for you yes, because obviously. you're seeing first off the importance of confidentiality. secondly, the importance of being assertive. But third, the importance of active listening. you know and that, that was the, that's the key because when remember we talked about that in lesson three, yeah. Of actively listening to someone, and really caring, and asking open-ended questions, and giving reflective like responses.
3: About, about how I ask. Her. I can yeah. ask her a question, but it's just how you phrase it.
0: Yeah, and doing it out of care and concern. Yes. And more showing more empathy than sympathy. Yeah. You know, I think that that will help. And then obviously just being there and building her trust. You know. And that's one
3: thing that's very difficult. Yeah. Trust. Trust from her.
2: Yeah.
0: But I think it's good that you've been assertive too, and you've told her about the, you know, love and things like that. So
3: well, I told about
0: how I feel towards yeah, her. good. You know? Good. We'll yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, thanks for for sharing that. Well, here's an example of how to know if you're trespassing your care receiver's boundaries. I'll read it to you. If you're talking with your care receiver about feelings, and he just stops talking, or if he changes the subjects, or or even becomes upset, you're probably trespassing on his space. You can really just learn a lot from body language and just their tone of voice. If you start feeling distracted, frustrated, or anxious during a discussion, you may want to consider whether you're trespassing on your care receiver's boundaries. So if you start to get frustrated at the person and you just want to yell at them, obviously (laughs) that goes beyond saying, right?
5: (laughs) But you can always clarify if that's a a boundary or or say you you really don't want to talk about.
0: That, right. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
6: but it, it, it's true. Something happened to me where um, I felt like saying something uh, judgmental. And, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
6: I was like, How can I? you know, we talk over and over and over and, and you're still telling me you did the wrong thing. Anyway, so I said something judgmental and I noticed that she just backed off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? But then, the good part was that I was conscious of it. I was able to come back and say, this is the reason why I told you this. And they fixed it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she continued talking and talking. So sometimes I guess they need to know the, reas- the reasons why we say certain things and, and we explain
5: Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, just say, this is why <laughs> I've said it this way. Yeah, that's good. Because mm-hmm. you want to be forthright and honest.
5: Yeah. I think timing is the key. Yeah, Because even though the person says no today, doesn't mean they'll say no the next time. Mm-hmm. Timing is always yeah. That's so right. So I think Seth's right when he's saying you really have to continually sort of read the person that you're dealing with. And sometimes you can just tell when they've changed the... Uh, want to talk about what's really important. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it goes back to the, I mean, we talked about it in a few lessons but just the importance of knowing where you are in that relationship and I think this can the beginning lesson but just knowing like how if a lot of people start to open up the more the relationships develops and the more they know that they can trust you especially people who have had their trust abuse in the past and just knowing that like you're saying you know, just your persistence and that Sure. Every
3: day you're listening, every day and waiting the opportunity that does arise. See, and one thing also, you know that. Uh, oh, many times they put up walls and stuff like that. Um, what I've learned a lot of times, knowledge is power. And if you know something that somebody else doesn't know, that's power, and they can wheel mm-hmm. that over you.
0: Mm-hmm. You got to be
3: careful of that, right? Yes, well, right. That's, my problem. is manipulation and it's, things like manipulation.
0: that. Yeah. Knowledge
3: is
4: power. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's hard, too, because I think a lot of times people's walls and boundaries are simply safety blankets, and it's things that they haven't talked to people about for a long time, and so it's they know that it's safe as long as it's with them, mm-hmm. and when you divulge that information to someone else is when it's not safe anymore. Hmm. So it's hard. I can under him you know, with... Careers um, and person knowing that is hard to actually take that step in and take a chance that someone won't reject what you have to say mm-hmm. or abuse
5: what you had to say. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges that we probably will face is when you have one that will tell you something and it's not true. Mm. Mm. It's it's dip- in, yeah. uh, in the some of the training I've had and other things they would call that deflecting. What mm-hmm. they're trying to do is get your focus from here mm-hmm. to here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this is a masquerade, as mm-hmm. long as they can keep you here, you're, you're not feeling. stressing them. You're not mm-hmm. right, right?
3: Because that's the power they have.
5: Yeah,
0: they can, you
3: know.
6: If we do. That, Yes. Because right. that gotta, that's see, that's it. why you gotta draw the
0: line and you say oh. give them the power and
3: that's right. it. Right.
0: Well look with me on page one hundred thirty two and one thirty three at the pre class reading again. These are some helpful ways on how we can help our care receivers establish and strengthen boundaries. One thirty two and one thirty three boxes H and I. If you look here there's some examples of some signs of inability to maintain one's own boundaries. Um, let me just read a few of these. People who are unable to maintain their own boundaries can have difficulty making decisions, have difficulty saying no to people, have trouble trusting others, regularly feel ashamed or anxious or afraid, um, frequently feel angry, tend to take on the moods of those around them, are overly sensitive to criticism. So these are just signs of inability to maintain one's own boundaries. Um of these people who are unable to maintain their own boundaries. This is how they often react. And I love the passage when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You see, I don't
3: quite understand exactly what He he means by that.
0: To let your yes be yes Yes and your no be no. The whole point is, I I always give this example. If somebody asks you to go to a birthday party Mm -hmm. and you said, "Uh, maybe... And then last minute, and then you say yes. And then last minute you come out and say, Oh, you know what? I have something else i got to be doing. And you're really just kind of making an excuse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you originally said maybe. You didn't say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And then you said yes, and then you went back on it and said no. Sometimes it happens where it's last minute where you have to change. But I, I, I preached one time on, a, on the parable where these... It was basically the wedding banquet. It was the parable of the wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. And the host of the party invited three people to come and they all had random excuses. They didn't say yes or no. They just said, "Well, I'll think about it." They originally said yes and they came back on it. So the whole point is, if somebody asks you to do something, just say yes or no. If they ask you to go to a party and you don't want to turn them down, tell them no. Tell them I'm sorry I can't and and you don't have to make up an excuse. You know, a lot of times people think, "Oh, I have to I have to explain why I can't be there." Mm-hmm. But no, just say no. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it. You know, so I really believe that's what he meant. You know, in a practical way for us to let your yes and be yes and your no be no.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you can make it, and you feel like you need to be there, go say yes. Sometimes you have to go, you know, with work or other things. You have to be there, or like Stephen Ministry training, <laughs> you don't have to be here; it's volunteer.
6: But it's hard because um, you don't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. By saying no, I like say for a party, I feel like I'm being negative towards the party, and then she's gonna be thinking, oh, she's not coming, and then I have this other person's not coming, I might might as well go to the party. I almost rather say, "Um, I'm not sure, or... Yeah. Mm
4: -hmm. It's also, like, if you've ever, like, I've been on both ends of it, or I feel like people have said, oh, yeah, we'll do that with you, you know, we'll we'll come over, we'll do this, and then, like, everyone backs out at the last minute, Mm -hmm. and... You're left with no one.
0: What and then you plan something, yeah,
4: and it costs money and time. Right. time that hurts ten times more than someone just saying no
5: up front. Right. Uh, I had, when I was just starting my work career, I invited everybody from work over to my place for uh, kind of an appetizer party. Mm-hmm. And I had 48 people respond that they would come. Mm-hmm. And 48 people showed up, and I had prepared a ton of food. Mm-hmm. The 48 people had all went out to eat together before they came to my place, oh, no. and, 48? and almost ate Whoa. nothing. Oh wow! Now they didn't even invite me to go mm-hmm. eat with them. That is them.
4: so strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or even I just think about like um, I was feeling like even reflect like I. Um, mentored uh, a younger girl. While I was in college, and um, just even like for her to say, you know, we would set a time, and someday she'd be like, "Oh, like ten minutes before it's supposed to be." Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it today, and I'm just like, oh. "And um, it's,
3: it's very
4: yeah, it's, it's and like, yeah.
3: It's just, yeah. just to, to commit, yeah. yeah, something to commit." But it's
4: like, and yeah. I think like that being a part of boundaries is all about being self-aware and this is like something I try to teach my kids all the time is um, self-awareness and like knowing enough about yourself to make good decisions and to make those decisions for yourself like Mm -hmm. you know people do it at work all the time they say yes to everything and then everything they're doing they're giving an eighth of themselves to rather than saying yes to one thing and giving themselves a hundred percent to
5: that. they never deliver <clears <clears right
4: because exactly. they
0: are the yes man and the yes woman who says yes to everything yeah.
4: right, which i had to learn and the they get burned out. i've always been a yes person and i am exhausted can you say no because i can't i've learned yes. to say no and it's it's hard but i think it's all about that like you know, setting healthy boundaries for yourself and knowing when I need to say no to something and when I need to
3: say yes to mm-hmm. something. Maybe you do need to sacrifice and say yes to something, but... Mm-hmm. You know. are you over- my, my, when I was growing up, my, my, dad, my dad was... Mm-hmm. Anytime you ask my dad when you're growing up, any, anything, to make it what else, there's always no. Mm-hmm. And you know it. Mm-hmm. All those kids do is no.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's easier for dad to say no than to say yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That way he doesn't have to worry about it. have to worry about. So we know it. And then after a while, then maybe he'll say, but it's <laughs> always no, no. So when Dad said, no, well, that's
0: you know, that it. So well, that's the easy way out. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> <And, and
5: laughs> I've three answers. My three answers are yes, no, or I'll think about it. And that, that I think I will think about it is not a maybe. Mm-hmm. It's... You know? You need to give I it some think about thought, of course,
4: yes or no right Yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> and, and I like that better. What I don't like is a maybe answer. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd much rather have somebody come back. Because and- a maybe is basically a no.
4: Yeah, I just counted.
5: For them. the <laughs> most part. Yeah, right. Well, I don't count maybes <laughs> as no, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be like uh, asking Seth for lunch, oh, I want to talk false. Uh, and he said, Maybe. <laughs> now, wait a minute! Either you want to, or you don't, right. or you need to go home and check your schedule and check with the uh, your wife to make sure you have permission to go to the right.
0: Don't just make yeah. up a maybe. Uh.
6: Go dancing, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
5: I mean, That's basically a no.
0: Maybe not. I need clarification. <laughs> right? <maybe>. What does <laughs> maybe mean? Well, let's look at reference box I, page one thirty-three. Signs of inability to respect others. Boundaries. So, people who are unable to respect others' boundaries may tend to make decisions for others. They may interrupt others and not allow them to finish sentences or thoughts. They may have difficulty allowing others to say no to them. They may have difficulty giving others what they need. They may find it hard to look others in the eye. They may regularly disparage others' ideas and opinions. They may regularly feel superior to others or feel angry or project their faults onto others you get the point but mm-hmm. these are basically people who are unable to respect others um, and sometimes it's easy for us even in conversations when we're with each other or even a care receiver we cut them off or we want to make decisions for them and once again that's enabling and we've got to be able to set boundaries even for ourselves as we care for people I've got to learn how to do that myself. yeah it's tough Oh,
3: yeah. Some. I remember, was it two Christmases ago? Two or three Christmases ago? Um we went up to New England for Christmas, you know, with, with my family up there. Yeah. And I asked Jeannie if she'd like to go. She did not say anything. She wouldn't, she wouldn't commit. She wouldn't commit anything. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I went and bought tickets and stuff like that. Go up. After I bought the tickets, she said, No. She didn't, she didn't go And that's mm. it So I stuck with a ticket That I paid oh, for man. Well no Thank God my mom Was able to use it and stuff. That's, okay. good. That's, good. that's good But see This is the thing She's You know She just didn't say Yes or no She just mm, Nothing
0: Nothing No response Yeah So a yes or a no Would have been good Because yeah. it, you would have known Yeah
3: So just yeah. what was the deal, you know? Yeah
0: Yeah Well box G And we pass that There are types of fears that prevent healthy boundaries. Fear of abandonment—you know, people have been abandoned before, whether it be parents leaving them, or or a boyfriend or girlfriend, or husband or you know, wife. There could be a fear of anger, fear of loneliness, fear of being a bad person. So these are all. This is page one thirty one. These are all fears that can that can keep people from setting boundaries. Uh, fear of being unworthy. Anyway, I would just encourage you to. Go back over this pre class reading because there's a lot of good stuff on boundaries from this. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet,
2: um,
0: I would just encourage you to look through it because there's some really helpful tools from that section. Well, let's move on now, and this is going to be page 140 or 141, and this is going to be just a large group exercise, and then I believe we're going to be done. So what we're going to do now is look at hypothetical caregiving situations that have some boundary problems. So Focus Note 3 on page 141 contains a description of a caring relationship. And Focus Note 4 has some questions to discuss about it. So what I'd like for us to do is I would like for one of us to read out loud the description on Focus Note 3. And then we're going to go through some of the questions on Focus Note 4.
1: So who will read... Okay, John, you go. Caring relationship one, Michael and Leon. Michael was in his late 20s with a wife and three children. Michael had lost his job and was still looking for a new job five months later. He felt panicked about his family's finances and his self-esteem was very low. Leon, a man in his 50s who worked as a police officer, had become Michael's Stephen minister to help him deal with the challenges of being unemployed and finding a new job. When Michael and Leon met, they would usually talk about how the job hunt was going, Leon offered helpful ideas and encouraged Michael to keep trying. When Michael tried to talk about his feelings, however, Leon seemed to stop paying attention. Usually after a few minutes with no response, Michael would give up talking about his feelings. One week, just as Michael was about to leave for his visit with Leon, Michael's wife, Cecilia, blew up at him. She accused him of being lazy and incompetent. She shouted at him to stop visiting with Leon and go find a job instead. Michael was devastated by the time he got to his visit with Leon. He spilled his feelings out out without even noticing Leon's reaction. When he finally ran out of things to say, Michael looked at Leon and saw that Leon was red-faced and upset. Listen, Leon said. I have been through unemployment and I spent a lot of time crying about it, but it didn't do any good. The only thing that helps is to search day and night for a new job. That was the only way I got my wife off my back, and that's the only way that's going to work for you. (laughs) Whoa, okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me ask
0: the question number one on focus note four: Who is this caring relationship, or who in this caring relationship, has a problem with boundaries? The
4: team yeah, Minister. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay. So, how would you describe the boundary problems? Look at the four broad categories of boundary problems on page one thirty-three and one thirty-four of your pre-class reading, if you need to. But how would you describe the boundary problems here? <clears>
4: the
0: controller. Yeah. Okay, he's a controller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
4: non-responsive.
0: Yeah, non-responsive. He's unresponsive to Michael's needs to talk about his feelings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you notice here, he's also put up a wall Mm -hmm. between himself and Michael and Mm -hmm. will not care for Michael's feelings Mm -hmm. because of what he experienced. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: He hasn't like, separated that, like what we were talking about earlier. How, like, you know, Brent was saying one person's experience of cancer is different yeah. from another person's experience of cancer, and he right. hasn't really separated that.
0: Right.
5: And he's assumed <clears throat> that everybody that's out of work's mm-hmm. feelings and, oh, yeah. and frustrations were exactly <laughs> the same as his.
4: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, it looks like he didn't really properly deal with his feelings either mm-hmm. during right. his times of unemployment because yeah. of yeah. his answer. He says, That's the only way I got my wife off my back. Like, yeah. it's, like he didn't really deal with that at
5: all. Right. Obviously. <laughs> He's got some issues. Yeah. <laughs> he has issues. If I'd have been the care receiver, I probably would have escalated it and said something stupid like Sounds to right. me like you need a Stephen. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. so well,
0: what could the Stephen Minister do to address the boundary problems in this caring relationship? I mean it was him who was the problem, but
5: what could he have done? He could have listened to the feelings. And yes. And I think uh, that's one thing that I've really learned from some going through workshops and therapy and stuff and, and watching people that are real professionals they're all about what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on? See, this is, yeah, yeah they—they're trying to get to the emotion underneath it to diffuse the emotion, mm-hmm. because once you diffuse the emotion and it stops being gripping you, then you can mm-hmm. talk about it mm-hmm. in a more open and honest fashion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the difficult thing to get to. Oh, yeah. And he just missed golden opportunity after golden mm-hmm. right, right. to get a deeper understanding because it's kind of like the other thing we were talking about, masquerading or where they're mm-hmm. deflecting. 90% of what he could have been hearing could have been not real, mm-hmm. and you missed the opportunity <clears throat> to find out really where the emotion was going and maybe asking a leading question going, Well, you know... I was just scared to to say this is really what <laughs>
6: yeah. Yeah. and he wasn't being he wasn't really there for the care receiver because he didn't listen when he uh, he was showing his loss of steam. Mm-hmm. So the Stephen Ministry was almost acting like a like wife
2: mm-hmm.
6: and in a way being critical and not motivating which seems like this Buy me the motivation, right, and, he and a listening ear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Well, good, y'all get the point there. <laughs> Focus note five is the last uh, <coughs> caring relationship. It's number two, Brenda and Megan. Will anybody read Brenda and Megan's situation?
4: You can read Brenda and Megan. Thanks, so. Brenda and her family had recently moved across the country because Ed, her husband, was transferred Ed was extremely busy learning his new job and was rarely home. When he was home, he was too tired to do much besides watch television and sleep on the couch. Brenda's two children were two and four and a half years old. They demanded her constant attention. Mm. Megan was assigned to be Brenda's Stephen Minister after Brenda talked to the pastor about her frustrations. Brenda was Megan's first care receiver. The first time Megan came to Brenda's house for a caring visit, Brenda talked with her for a while and then asked her to watch the children while she went to the grocery store. I won't be long, and it is so hard to go to the store with these two in tow. Megan agreed and watched the children for an hour and a half until Ed got home. Ed tried to pay her, assuming she was the babysitter. The next time Megan visited with Brenda, she held the two-year-old while Brenda did dishes and cleaned the kitchen. Brenda talked about her frustrations while she was cleaning. But when Megan asked her if she wanted to sit down and talk, Brenda said, "'Oh, I couldn't. Who has the time to sit down?' After several similar caring visits, Brenda called Megan late one afternoon and said, "'Ed just called me and said, "'We have to go out with his boss tonight. "'I was wondering if you would mind watching the kids.' (laughs) Megan felt frustrated. "'Don't you have a babysitter you can call?' "'Are you kidding? I haven't had time to find a babysitter.' Megan decided to put her foot down. "'I'm sorry, Brenda. Babysitting isn't part of my job as a Stephen Minister.' Brenda sounded angry when she replied, Oh, come on, you're supposed to be helping me with my problems. I'm new in town, and I don't have a babysitter, and I have to go out with my husband and his boss in a half hour. Don't you think that's a problem? If you won't help me with this, what good are you? Megan could see Brenda's point of view, even though she thought Brenda might be wrong. As Brenda waited impatiently on the telephone, Megan felt she was at fault for Brenda's frustration. After a minute, she gave in and rushed over to Brenda's house to babysit her children.
0: All right, so let's go back to questions on one forty-one. Who is this caring relationship, or who in this caring relationship has a problem with boundaries? Both of them. Both, yeah. right? <laughs> the Stephen minister is the neighbor. That's right. Right. So number two, how would you describe the boundary problems between Brenda and Megan? What about let's look first at Brenda? What is Brenda, Brenda's problem with boundaries?
4: She. Is a controller,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: very manipulative. Yeah,
0: manipulative. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. aggressive with their verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: It's disrespecting the student minister by not even giving the time. You know, the student ministry is mm-hmm. taking precious time of her life, his mm-hmm. life. And Brenda is doing the dishes, and that, that shows that doesn't show respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: would have found her a babysitter.
6: Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, so you should have that, that is pitch. just the, is, I think it follows the the beginning because Brenda took advantage of um, Megan from mm-hmm. the beginning. So the rest mm-hmm. is just easier for Brenda to mm-hmm. do as she keeps pushing and mm-hmm. pushing. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
6: Megan's kind
4: of back herself into a corner.
0: Yeah, what's Megan's problem with boundaries? <laughs> okay. She's, She's compliant. compliant. Mm-hmm. She did she didn't set them right.
4: She so can't say yes. no then. Can't yeah. say
0: no. Yeah. You can see it's the frustration in her, right? Well, even when
4: she like tried to be assertive, like she still let Brenda like back her down. You know.
0: Has this ever happened to y'all?
4: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And this yeah. is yeah. I good. can say but no just, real well. Right. Yeah. But it's it's hard to say no sometimes. No. Isn't that When someone's yeah. in like, a jam or they... Jam? Yeah. yeah. Are someone's someone? like,
4: really hurting? Like, yeah. I feel like it's, like, that compassion side of you
6: that takes over and
0: it shouldn't
4: all the time. No, But it does.
0: What were you going to say, Janine? Oh, you're yeah.
6: right. It should be easy. It's, it's easier to look at it from the outside. Right. you're right. mm-hmm. inside the picture, mm-hmm. it's different. You know, yeah. like yeah. I'm outside right now, and I could say Meg should have uh, said, you know, I need to talk to you and tell her the truth in a nice way of how she feels and what she's there for. Mm-hmm. But once we're there and they ask us for a favor, it's harder. Right.
5: Put mm-hmm.
6: right. that aside. Mm-hmm.
5: But I think you you really have to set boundaries around it, even if you agreed for it to be a yes. Mm-hmm. And and one of the early one of the earlier lessons we did is I think it was me and you where yes. I, <laughs> and so we set boundaries around going to the grocery store. It was. I need to take your car, and mm-hmm. I need to go home for two hours. Also,
6: I thought negotiating?
5: Yeah, things, he like thought
6: it was negotiating, but <laughs> I, I said I should have said what I thought, but why I not. didn't. Uh-huh. And not? I said okay. When in my mind, the thing is that he was asking me for the, to borrow the car mm-hmm. for like three hours, mm-hmm. and I only could give it to him for two. He said, "Well, why don't we? Um, why don't you come with me and help me with groceries?" that way I'd be done in two so he was asking Mm -hmm. and I said okay (laughs) (laughs) so instead I should have said what I really
5: thought Uh, Yeah. well maybe Uh, but like in this case if she'd negotiated the first one Mm -hmm. so that she understood hey this is a one time thing you need to find a babysitter Mm -hmm. this is really beyond the responsibilities of one I'm providing you and set the clear boundaries I think they both would have been better served
4: mm-hmm. well like I can't leave that in the first like at the first meeting for asked her to do that and I would have I think I would have flat out red flag out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's someone who's trying to
0: Right, you're probably thinking, what does Seth yeah. get me into? <laughs> <laughs>
5: but, but if they're new to town, right. then I would have said, well, it sounds like you need a, a babysitter, and if you had a babysitting right. group yeah. at the church, I mm-hmm. said, why don't you let me put you in touch with, yeah. with the babysitter? Right. I'll give you a name, and number, and they provide the service, and these are people you can trust. Mm-hmm. And,
0: mm-hmm. I will say this is probably the number one issue that you're going to face as a Stephen minister because it's so easy to cross boundaries Mm -hmm. and to blur like you don't know is this a boundary or or not or do i need to set a boundary or not Mm -hmm. you know
4: well it's hard because i feel like there's some things that i'm really good at saying no to but there's other things that are really really hard for me to say Mm -hmm. no to and i like learned that in teaching too because my kids have learned what I will always say yes to and what I'll always say no to. <laughs> and so, like, they, like, you know, it's like, it's real. I had a, another teacher tell me, like, from the outside, like, she noticed this, and I was like, oh my gosh, because uh, my thing is I'll, I always let kids go to the bathroom. When mm-hmm. they ask me to go to the bathroom, I say yes. And she's like, she's that's a teacher I co-teach with, and she's like, do you notice? She's like, none of them ask me to go to the bathroom, they always ask you. Because I always say yes. And I never even noticed, but, like, huh. It's just, I don't know.
3: Interesting. Well, yeah. they don't ask her?
4: No, because she doesn't, like, they know no. if they ask me, I'll say yes. So what yeah. you
3: mean? Are you both in the same classroom? You, you actually both? say yeah. no to that?
4: Huh? <laughs> <I> <laughs> no, you can't say no. We can tell them that they're not allowed to use the restroom at all in our class, that they have to use their passing period to do that. But, okay. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. <Well. laughs> but I always
4: say yes, I never knew
5: that. <laughs> but it's, it's like volunteering and <laughs> stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. And my wife has the challenge of learning to say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you volunteer one time, Mm -hmm. uh, you better set... The, the guidelines mm-hmm. that it is one time, are you, you have taken on this new role and responsibility. Wow. Oh no, they wouldn't do that. Well, yes. my old church, you're the number one guy. Oh, we know you always will
2: say yes.
0: yes, yes <laughs>
2: and I, and I tell people sometimes good.
0: you need to even tell me no sometimes yeah. and then Mike and your pastors. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to ask you to do stuff and you need to tell us no. Yeah.
5: We'll be okay with that. <laughs> but I think boundaries is one of the most important. Yeah. And Absolutely. I really not only as
4: a Stephen Minister, but it's a life skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it it's like being able to set healthy boundaries for yourself. A like skill, you it's, yeah, a life life it's a life
0: skill, you say? Yeah. That's, that's it's very difficult. And it's
3: a life
4: me. skill that I feel like a lot of adults really struggle with. it's
3: okay. very difficult for me sometimes to set set boundaries. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm learning that more to set boundaries. Absolutely, Absolutely.
0: There's a great book in case you want to learn more about it, called Boundaries. uh, Believe it or not, it's written by a guy named Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And I just read through it last year because we did another continuing ed course or training for our current Stephen Ministers because we realized Boundaries was a big problem with their care receivers. So we brought it up again, and I'd read the book, and we talked about it. But it's an excellent book. You can get it on Amazon probably for 2 bucks, But it's just called Boundaries. And yeah, it's very good, Henry, Cloud. Henry Cl- Cloud and John Townsend. But it's excellent. So if you want to learn more about it, I would highly recommend it. Any other questions or comments? I think that was very good. I, good, I good. The, the, the boundaries that that really. Uh, and if you are in a situation with this, with the care receiver, and you know that this is. I say above your pay grade or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then tell us. And I'll give you a quick example which reminded me from Brendan and Megan's situation that we just read about. Ida, I paired her up with someone who had two kids. And it was a very similar situation. Where we we didn't I had explained what Stephen Ministry was, like I told you, you know, we talked about the confidentiality and supervision group. But I don't think she realized what steven ministry consisted of entirely and so as a result when ida yeah. i didn't know the care, 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 care receiver so when ida met with the care receiver she was hoping that ida would watch the kids and mm-hmm. do that type of thing and ida just said i'm sorry I'm, this is not what steven ministry's for you know we have women's play groups at upc mm-hmm. and others but she actually had to uh, be removed from that situation ida did mm-hmm. and because there was a misunderstanding on that and that can very, that can easily happen so anyway, and this is even after I know I knew the person and interviewed them and all that and told them about what Stephen Mystery was. So the lines can get blurred a little bit. Um, so please feel free to let us know if you're in a situation that you feel has crossed boundaries. Um, what I'd like to do briefly, 143 is the caregiver's compass. We haven't done that in a little while. What did you learn from confidentiality and boundaries on how to be compassionate? Actually,
3: to set boundaries. To set boundaries is showing compassion. Yeah. yeah. To set
0: boundaries. That's
4: good. I think too like, um, I learned even learned through our little like um, dialogue things that how to be compassionate and like the confidentiality. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's really like showing people your compassion by letting them know that you're really there for them and you're setting up a trustworthy relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. What about full of faith? Stands out to you for full of faith, confidentiality and boundaries.
5: Letting God be in control. Mm-hmm. Even though you're the listening ear, it's God that enacts the change. Yeah. Well,
0: what about skilled? Did you learn anything today?
6: Mm-hmm. to
0: say boundaries <laughs> <laughs> to say no. <laughs> to said <laughs> boundaries to say I can I got a two-letter word. Confirm, no, Spanish <laughs> for no. <laughs> What about trustworthy? Confidentiality is obvious. Right, right. The other thing I would say about trustworthy boundaries is it's good for you to set examples to the care receiver. So if you're setting boundaries or even saying, I can't go into that or I'd prefer not to go into that, if they're asking you personal information that you don't want to share, if, if if you basically set that boundary and say, I don't want to go there, then that sets a good example to them. And they may say, oh, well, maybe I can be that way too and not vomit everything out, <laughs> as I say. <laughs> right. I say. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, great. Well, good, good job, everybody. Thank you. Next week, once again, we'll look at T8 and T10. So make sure and do the pre-class readings there and the readings in when and how to use mental health resources. Let me close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for these two lessons on confidentiality and boundaries. And I pray that we will really take what we've heard to heart and take what we hear from our care receivers and make sure we are confident uh, in knowing that we won't share that information to others. And I also pray that we will be able to set clear boundaries with our care receivers and not only with our care receivers but also with people we come into contact with. I think of our our work our family life our friendships even our church life i pray that we'll be we'll be able to let our yes be yes and our no be no lord just uh, watch over us this week and may we use this information wisely as we uh, live our lives in jesus name amen